fears of tripping on top. Be there! Scour the spaceways! Explore vast alien worlds! Tin right here contains the whole rigmarole. I used to smoke about an ounce of hash every day. And it made me go a little bonkers. Maybe. If I occupy his mind with more duties, I can control his space. Hi. Big fat doobies. Hi. 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 What's up, everybody? It's Monday, February 10th, 2014. This is episode 144 of the Hotbox. It's been a while, but we're back. We got an interview. I'm Matt Lee. This is Kyle. Hi, What's guys. up, Kyle? How you doing? Hey, it's been a while since I've seen you on this show. Yeah, I have not been on this show yet. I know. We haven't done this show since, like, December, but people still listen, so that's cool. Uh, we're going to interview... This is kind of interesting. Like, every now and then we get forms sent to us, and... Like, a lot of times it's just spam stuff, like, look at our new vape, and look at this, and look at this, and... But this one kind of caught my eye, as, uh, from, from a, a place called Blue Morpho Tours, uh, Hamilton Souther. He's a master ayahuasca and cannabis shaman, focuses his work on authentic, traditional, and modern disciplines of shamanism, bilingual in English and Spanish, with a bachelor's degree in anthropology from Colorado. Uh, he's practiced shamanism worldwide. And uh, he's going to talk to us uh, about all sorts of things shamanist, shamanistic, shamanistic, shamanistically related. But uh, I think we're going to focus a little bit on what he is calling the cannabis shamanism, and, the weed, uh, the weed spirit, the spirit of Hamilton. the plant. This should be interesting. Uh, Hamilton Souther, cannabis shaman extraordinaire. You're live on the hot box. How you doing, man? Excellent. Thanks for having me tonight. This is great. How hey, are you guys doing? Great, great. A little chilly here in Montana. Uh, are you in Peru currently, or are you in the States? No, I'm in the States. I'm currently in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you're not even dealing with cold ever there. <laughs> no, no. It's nice every day. So, uh, we gave you a little intro. You got your anthropology degree there uh, from Colorado, and you've been doing this shamanism thing pretty much ever since for, like, the last 12, 13 years. Uh, can you tell us just a little bit uh, about how the whole Blue Morpho Tour uh, Center got started, and then we'll jump into the cannabis shamanism. Oh, excellent. Yeah, Blue Morpho Tours got started during my apprenticeship down in the Amazon. The year after I graduated from the University of Colorado Boulder, I headed down to the Amazon on an exploration to find authentic shamans and to try and make sense of mystical experiences that I was spontaneously having. I was having visionary states that were not induced by any substances at the time, and they were kind of guiding me. It was very prophetic. So I went down to the Amazon, and I got really lucky. I met two elders in a tiny community in this little, little, little river, the tributary to the Amazon, and I got permission to start living there. And after about a year of living there, the uh, elders accepted me to apprentice, and um, I started a formal ayahuasca, traditional Amazonian apprenticeship with them and formed Blue Morpho. Blue Morpho started as a tour business doing jungle adventure expeditions because we were just so remote. We were 24 hours overland travel from the nearest town that you could fly into. And it was just, you know, pure, pure expedition. And as my apprenticeship kept going and progressing, the healing work that we were doing was incredible. People were having these transcendent experiences, leaving depression behind, leaving anxiety disorders behind, and it really just took off, and Blue Morpho Tours became a traditional Amazonian and ayahuasca center 
where we received people from all over the world to partake in ayahuasca ceremonies with us and to experience the positive benefits that they could from them. That's excellent. We noticed uh, on on the site it said you guys work with uh, everything from people with depression to PTSD to drug addiction. I mean, all sorts of, of things that this this trip into that other realm and to these spirits kind of it, it makes clear to to one's mind that like oh here's what I have to do uh, the same thing with like DMT and ibogaine and and cannabis as you've discovered here. Now I I, I had a question for you when you were originally drawn to the Amazon that that specific region were you you, you said just under no substances or anything like that have you had a trip had you had any trip experience before you went down there no i hadn't i hadn't i hadn't had really any experience in shamanistic ceremonies or trips of that nature at all it was really a a quintessential shamanic awakening that took place where from one day to the next i started started seeing spirits and i had no idea what was happening i was filled with doubt and fear confusion and I turned to shamanism as a way of trying to explain what was happening. And the uh, spirits that I was seeing were talking to me, right? But right then I thought, like, okay, this is a little out there. But I thought, well, you know, they're guiding me in a way that seems to be really coherent and, and really directed. And so they just kept saying, you have to go to the Amazon, you have to go to the Amazon. I had a Lonely Planet guidebook, and in it, there was the name of a guide, and they said, you have to meet this guide, and he's going to know where to take you. Now, when you and were so studying, thought, uh, sorry to cut you off, when you were studying in anthropology at University of Colorado, were you uh, uh, studying anything in the Amazon about, you know, shamanistic cultures or anything? Like, was it, what was the initial, like, other than these, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of the, if there's any outside pull, you know, to this, to this region. Yeah, I think it was all very holistic in that sense. I was studying uh, cultural anthropology, a focus on cultural anthropology. I really enjoyed learning about tribal societies. Mm-hmm. I had heard of shamanism, and I had heard of different kinds of shamanistic states and ceremonies that they performed. But when I was studying, I never dreamed that it would be something that I would get personally involved with. I thought it was something that really spoke more to the foundations of modern society, tribal societies growing into modern societies, not so much a living, breathing culture that could still be experienced, but the draw was there. The Amazon always held great mystique for me, and it seemed like a place of unending exploration and adventure that at that time in my life was very exciting. That's amazing. I I want to also know more about this, uh, this apprenticeship, this idea of you going down there and just like, start chilling with these elders like what does that look like how did you did you just sit down next to an old guy and whip out a pipe and say hey man can i hang out teach me kind of (laughs) i mean it's uh it was it took a lot longer than that um the very first thing i did was i went into the jungle and i met with a shaman and participated in my first ayahuasca ceremonies and in those ceremonies and the visions it became very clear that I needed to stay in that exact location and I needed to learn there, which didn't make any sense to me because it was so remote. Now, was, this, up, was, the, was the shaman that you were meeting with on these uh, in the ceremony, was he there with you seeing these? Uh, um, I, I know there's a lot of times that shamans, entities. The, the entities are guiding into that other world with you, like a shared trip. Oh, absolutely. 
absolutely, yeah. The shamans have the capacity to share visions with the participants, mm -hmm. and his presence was inside the visionary state with me the whole time. That's amazing. But the, but the direction didn't come from the shaman. The direction came from the spirits inside the visionary realms themselves. Right. And they said, you have to stay here. What turned out to be the most amazing thing was that the head elder lived only 400 yards away. And so when they meant stay here, they literally meant right in that exact location. And, and so I, I had to stay, and then I had to figure out how to stay. Right, I was a 23-year-old California, you know, youth who had gone to Colorado to college and now was living in the Amazon. I didn't even know how to walk in the Amazon. I didn't know how to canoe. I needed to learn how to fish. I needed to learn how to provide for myself. I needed to learn how to have an agricultural plot so that I could grow my own food and live like one of the locals. And so the first thing that I did was I told them, I said, like, treat me like I'm two or three years old. You know, point everything out. Teach me the language. You know, show me how to use a machete. Show me how to use a digging stick. Show me how to make a fishing pole. That's amazing. That's incredible. So it's after that, you you uh, when you finally did your first uh, meditation on the ayahuasca, the, those entities, would you relate those to the ones that were guiding you initially? Like, did it have a similarity there? Yeah, the spirit world is, is vast. And there are many, many different spirits, and they're found through states of consciousness where you can experience them. And what I mean by experience them is talk with them. They talk through thought forms and inside your own mind. They'll use language that you know. They'll, uh, you know, they'll literally communicate. And so the ones that guided me were in the ceremony, as well as the ones specific to traditional ayahuasca and Amazonian shamanism. And so really all the guides were there in those initial journeys. Is it, is it the Terrence McKenna-ish vision of the machine elves who come to speak with you? I've, I've heard lots of different trip reports about these machine elves. Yeah, sure, I mean, there's, there's lots of different gnomes and elves and things like that, and they're also <laughs> beings of light and beings that look very much like what we would normally think of as angels as well as plant spirits, animal spirits, nature-oriented spirits, elementals. Really, all different kinds of, of spirits and beings can be experienced in the ceremony. Every time I enter that realm, it always seems to be very geometric, very fractal, very mathematic, almost like the underlying code of what the fabric of reality is actually created with. You know, it's it's very. I don't know. If yeah. Maybe that's just my analytical no, weird I'm mind. No, I'm right there or, with you. That 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 complex geometric pattern. And then I find myself wasting time trying to figure them out. And then by the time I think I've almost figured it out, the trip's over. And and it's you're back <laughs> in this reality where things are are. Well, I guess why, normal. This is why we need you to come up here, Hamilton, because we need to do an ayahuasca ceremony and not just D. I'm pretty allegedly. sure. I'm pretty sure people need to go to Peru for the. Ayahuasca ceremony. As all right, first of all, first of all, we only practice with ayahuasca down in Peru because of right. legality. Right. Okay. And um, one of the great things that's happening now is the advent of this blue morpho cannabis shamanism that's allowing me to be able to guide and express the shamanism the same way that we had practiced it in Peru, but using a different plant. And then going back to the idea of the geometry that you see. Those geometric patterns are quintessential to the experience, and there are a lot of different interpretations for them. 
And the one that I use is very similar to yours. I see them as the underlying fabric of space-time. I think physical reality is built out of those patterns, and the experience that we have in normal everyday life has that divine geometry and architecture behind it. It's like the Alex Gray uh, paintings. Right. Very and, much so, and, correct. When you and then s- as, you, as you get deeper into the shamanism, as you were saying, like trying to figure the patterns out, the patterns actually communicate with the shaman. And so the shamans can read them. Kind of like when you're like in the movie The Matrix, when like the guy's reading the code. Right. The shamans can read the shifting patterns and understand what the experiences are of the people that are in that ceremony with them. And the manipulation or the movement of those patterns is key to the practice of the shamanism. That's cool. Can you give us, like, just a, a, before we get into the, the uh, Western states-focused cannabis shamanism, like, give us just a, a quick rundown or example of, like, what a person, let's say we booked a flight to Peru tomorrow. Like, what, what, what type of situation could we expect to find ourselves in? Are we hiking through kilometers of Amazon jungle to get to the place, or, like, how does that all go down? No, Blue Morpho has developed over the years to the point that we now have a destination-based center. It really functions as a home away from home. And so you arrive in the city of Iquitos, you fly from, you know, anywhere in the world, typically through Lima, and then you fly to the city of Iquitos where we have our home offices, and then we can now get to the center by bus. There's one paved road that leaves the city, and our center is now an hour along that road outside of the city of Iquitos. And when you get there, it's uh, traditional jungle architecture, A-frame thatched roofs, uh, wood plank floors, all mosquito nets screened. There are bungalows for our guests. And the center holds up to 35 guests at a time. Oh, that's amazing. And you guys have video footage of that on your site. So we'll put links to that uh, in the show notes for this episode so people can actually get a feel of of what it's like uh, to be there. It's a, yeah, it's a if trip you go to bluemorphotours.com, you can see pictures and video, and it really gives a, a good overview of what the experience is like. And there are many testimonials. You know, one of the beautiful things of working with the people and providing healing and positive evolution and transformation for them over the years is that many people have wanted to share their experiences because, you know, they're miraculous. The kinds of changes that somebody can experience in five days or seven days leaving decades of depression behind generates a lot of gratitude and people have been really supportive of the work we do and I'm very grateful for it. No, I I remember stumbling actually uh, about a year and a half ago possibly when I initially was drawn to the concept of ayahuasca and I I ran across that Nat Geo article about the uh, the girl who went down there. Uh, I can't remember everything about it but I remember it was just, it was an amazing, amazing trip report about how supportive everybody was and uh, all of the experiences from everybody. It was just, it's really, it's kind of synchronous what? because I it, it came across a couple of years ago. That's yeah, awesome. You find that a lot too at like the, the Ibogaine centers where you have a situation where normally people don't want to be public about. They don't want people to know they have a drug addiction. They don't want people to know they have a problem. But then when they go through it and they come out, they are like more than willing to want to spread the word of this amazing plant that cured them 
of this problem they had. And it's the only business model that you really find that because in any other kind of business, the only time you hear feedback from customers is when there's a problem. But you guys, and I mean, this, this kind of situation, like when people are healed positively like that, they want to shout it from the mountaintops. They want to tell everybody they know because they had such a, a godlike experience, pardon the, the phrase, but they want to share that with people and they want other people to then go experience that. It, it's really interesting to see because there's nothing else like it in the world where it, that occurs. You know, I think the, the key is that, you know, people who have problems in modern society are isolated within their problems. And then they come to a place like ours and all of a sudden there's community. And the they, sort of the mask of ego in the ceremonies drops away really quickly and people are, are heart opened and they're willing to share their experiences and find the camaraderie that they didn't have in their normal daily life when they're, you know, in their house or in their apartment in fear and anxiety or in depression and just trying to, to make it. You know? Well, they're look how normal you got to look how normal daily life treats a person like that. Like anytime you have any kind of problem like that, you're instantly kind of looked at as being like broken or something. When you're in this other communal type of situation, everybody's there to better everything and to help. And you're not kind of like that castaway that has leprosy or something. Exactly. And the idea is to focus it on the positivity of the transformation and not get sucked into the, the darkness of the problem. Right, right. You know, we're, we're there providing a service to be able to raise people out of that and help them leave it behind so that it just becomes an aspect of their past and that they're liberated. Now, how, okay, so when, when you get to the center um, by bus, how soon, like, when does the preparation start for the ceremony? Oh, the preparation starts as soon as you arrive. Everything we do at the center is designed to support your ceremonial experiences. And so on the first day, we start having lectures about how the camp operates and functions. We're based in a notion of non-judgment and respect so that the space is open to everybody's experience. And then from there, we just start getting into what people can expect from the experience and how to be able to bond with it in a quicker way because people have limited time and then that night we go into our first ceremony so that that same night there's no initial fasting or or are they expected to be doing all this stuff prior well it probably depends how much time you have right if you have like two weeks to spend i would like to partake in cutting the bark and making the you know like from start to finish but if the someone that's a business person that's like flying in on a friday you know and flying out on a sunday they just need to be in the right frame of mind and and you know get on with it sure right well what we do at our center is on the first night we have the first ceremony and then the next morning together we all cook ayahuasca oh that's cool so everybody who comes gets to have the experience of handling the plant and putting their love and their desire for healing into it. Is and it all pre And then we collectively make the ayahuasca that day, and then we add the ayahuasca that we used the night before to the new batch of ayahuasca, which makes it all one, and then we continue the week, and then that batch of ayahuasca becomes the ceremonial first night for the next group that we have. And you so just continue that on, right? So there's always some res- resonant left over from the previous group continuing forward. Always. Here. Yeah, there's always enough for the next ceremony. That's cool. Okay, now explain dosage to me, because this is a bit of a 
a controversy. Some some people say the one shaman will gave me a little awesome dose, and some shaman would gave me a little wimpy dose. Well, it dose, depends on know? the person, I'm sure. Of course. I just want to know and make this on the record. of How do you determine dosage based on the person that's in front of you? Okay, well, there's a lot of science that goes into dosing. And it's a skill that is learned through extensive apprenticeship. And it really is an art form. And it really also depends on the ayahuasca that the shaman's using. And so since shamans make their own ayahuasca, they have a bonded relationship to it, and they know the relative potency and strength of it based on the nature of how they make it. Now, are they, are you drinking point, it? It's a direct connection with the person, and you have to be guided by the medicine spirit that you're going to be working with in ceremony to be able to find that dose. And our attitude is if you don't know those spirits and you don't know how to dose the person, then you shouldn't be the one dosing them. Now, are, are you drinking it before the you know people who are there to trip with you? I mean, are you usually typically when you're there you know say you were to hand me a, a cup would you drink it before you would give it to me or no the shamans drink last in okay. our ceremony in, in the lineage that i trained in the shamans are the last to drink in ceremony this is it's so fascinating i i love this idea of just escaping to peru and then within a year you're, you're being not within a year sorry but you know you <laughs> you become a master shaman this is it's amazing. It's so incredible, man. I, I give kudos to you. Thank you very much. It was a gift. You know, I feel, my, I feel that I was really lucky to have followed the calling. You know, it was very scary when I first moved down there, and I went through the trials and tribulations to be able to learn, which was incredibly difficult, sometimes even life-threatening. And I was blessed with two elders that were, you know, truly renowned and legendary shamans, and... You know, it was just, it was a blessing to have them accept me and to be able to be brought into their world and taught as if I was one of their own children. Well, that's amazing to have that drive. Like you said, you had to pretty much relearn how to survive, Treat basically. Me like I'm like <laughs> from LA to Peru in the jungle, like that's, I mean, you're not going to 7 Eleven to get slushies, man. Like that's a whole new way to survive. And I don't think no, very... no, you have to learn how to provide for yourself. Yeah, out exactly. There. You have to learn, you know, literally everything. The the jungle is the grocery store. And but so you but have we to don't learn have to do that. You can and can't have in it. Well, what that's... you're saying, though, with Blue Morpho Tours is we don't have to do that. We can get a bus ride. To a resort, I, I kind of want to do that. Actually, I want to take like two months and like learn it from start to finish. So you now with the legislation slowly—I mean, it very slowly—changing here in the states, Colorado and Washington being what I keep hearing referred to as social experiments, which kind of rings eerie in my head when it's like our government was like, let's do it, but just there and it'll be our experiment. You know, it, it just has a weird, a weird ring for me, but this is allowing you to not necessarily like we mentioned before, bringing uh, a full ayahuasca ceremony to the U S but starting with cannabis, which uh, in your writings here, it seems like under the right meditative state can offer a similar uh, experience. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you work with sacred plants and shamanism, there's an aspect of the sacred plant and the shamanism, and I'm emphasizing the shamanism on purpose, 
that really is the tradition and the practice. And it's the guidance found within the shamanism. It's a mystical practice. It's a spiritual practice that gives a direction and a focus and an intention to the use of that plant. And so in conjunction with cannabis, with the intention of the shamanism, with the respect being given to the plant, and the direction into the, the mystical and spiritual medicines and realms that are available, cannabis becomes a very visionary plant that has within it the capacities for experience and transformational experience that are akin to ayahuasca. And now, I mean, when we say that, you can't, I mean, we need to draw the, the, the difference that if you... If you partake in this, you're not going to experience like a six-hour hallucination journey through the inside of your mind and the fabric of reality, right? I mean, this is different. I mean, obviously, different plants, different medical properties. Um, do you rely more on the meditation side of it to get the brain ready for that experience, or do you just have really killer weed? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, you know... The, the way that I hold the ceremonies is that they are cannabis-friendly, and so somebody provides their own weed, and they're taking their own responsibility, and ah. they're exercising their own state or medical right to be able to participate. Right. The, the weed itself is part of the equation. The cannabis is part of the equation, but it's the shamanism and the power held within the shamanism through the invocation of the different kinds of spirits that awakens the plant. It, like it turbocharges the plant, and the cannabis helps somebody become more receptive. It allows them to go deeper into the meditative state and to allow the mind to expand. And so it's really an accelerant of the experience, and it's, it's something that is used to, to allow greater receptivity. When you combine the cannabis with the shamanism, which is you know a master shaman who is practicing his mystical art or her mystical art, He's there specifically opening the states of consciousness that make these kinds of experiences possible. And so someone says, okay, how? Well, they're using trance. They're using rattles. They're using what we call shakapas or leaf instruments that sound like rattles but are softer. They're using drums. They're creating theta states in the brain that allow the imagination to open and to allow transcendent consciousness to be experienced. They're in, we're in, I'm invoking the spirit, the medicine spirits found inside cannabis and really turning them on. And I'm guiding somebody who's a participant in the ceremony to be able to find that specific connection themselves with their own experience. And so it's the power of the shamanism combined with the greater receptivity and the inherent medicinal natures in the cannabis that makes this possible. Now, are you doing this in an actual center in Colorado or Washington? Uh, I was kind of curious where the, uh, how that was going to work. And then uh, it looks like other people from the comfort of your own home will be able to join through this live feed you guys are, are offering. Yeah, one of the things that I've been doing over the last years is really looking for a way to be able to share what we call the medicine, which is the positive transformational expression of the shamanism, on a greater scale with people. And when we've been limited in the Amazon, people having to come to us, it's a, it's a tremendous journey, and a lot of people are not candidates to make that journey. And so I've been looking at ways for years now of how to be able 
to bridge technology, which in my mind is completely shamanic, and the practice of traditional shamanism. And so we've been working in different kinds of trance states and altered states to be able to convey the guidance via live stream so that people will be able to participate literally from the comfort of their homes or in a group setting that's private with their friends and would be able to be guided in a ceremony that is allowing them to connect to love and connect to the heart and be able to receive the transformational powers that that love holds. And so I created 420 Ceremony. The 420 Ceremony is a ceremony that is live-streamed. It's going to be held in Colorado, but it's live-streamed everywhere in the world. And it, it doesn't require the use of cannabis, but it's a cannabis-friendly event. It's the discipline that I created, Blue Morpho Cannabis Shamanism. We call it a, a cannabis-friendly or Blue Morpho Cannabis Shamanism-friendly event, meaning that if you decided to use cannabis and participate in the ceremony, that you would be able to use the cannabis for that receptivity and help to follow the guidance of the shamanism and be able to find those transcendent states yourself. Okay, I just got to know, personal preference, edibles versus uh, vape. I, I, I'm right. not necessarily vape or smoking, whatever. Just edibles are a different experience, and they can bring on a stronger hallucinate, hallucinatory experience or a transcendent experience, in my personal opinion. Matt disagrees. See, he's asking because we, we had this discussion before the show started, and he says that you can indeed hallucinate from ingesting cannabis. And I argued the counterpoint that I have ingested very great amounts of cannabis and have never hallucinated. And so we Googled it and, of course, came across Yahoo Answers, and that didn't really help at all. So Yahoo Answers definitely helps promote we, back your point. We were curious what your thoughts on, on the matter were. My thoughts on the matter is that I personally prefer vaporizing, although I am sensitive. You know, I've been working with ayahuasca for over a decade and have participated in countless ceremonies. And it makes me very receptive already to the shamanic states of consciousness. But I think that, um, you know, somebody wanting to have this experience needs to use what they're most comfortable with. But personally, I like vaporizing. Okay. That was a very political answer. Of you, and I appreciate that because we we're, this is going to be a debate to where I'm going to just and give that's fine. Matt lots and lots of edibles that's and fine. get him to trip. It'll happen. Well, see, I think I think in this case that that's really between you guys, and that you guys should should trade shoes and then see how it works. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is the perfect shaman answer, right there. Well, I mean, the whole point of shamanism is that it's experiential, not theoretical. Right. So you can talk about it all you want, but until you have the experience yourself, it's just ideas. And the coolest thing is that you learn directly from the experience. So you get in there in ceremony. And if, if you have a mind-blowing experience, it's great. If you're not really sure and you're still doubting, that all becomes part of the experience, and it starts an evolution over time. And you just get you know, more into it, and you understand more how it all works. And then you can experiment. You, know, you could experiment with edibles or vaping. You know, you could combine the two. Or you both. Really yeah. <laughs> or both are just all. There you go. It's not like there's a really low LD50 on cannabis. Yeah, uh, right. 1,500 pounds in 15 minutes. That's what would kill you. I think we can push that limit. So when is the first one starts this year? That um, the Yeah, the inaugural 420 ceremony is going to be on April 20th. 
And so we're doing it on 420. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Couldn't be a better day. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think it's a perfect day to to bring shamanism to, you know, people who are interested in the plant. Well, and it's, it's on everybody's mind. It's a day where, you know, cannabis is already on Twitter and Facebook. I mean, it's everywhere on that day. So. It's officially our global yeah. holiday. It, it's it, it gotten is. to that we point. Can, we can claim that. It's, it's officially our holiday. Yeah. And you will be in in the states in Colorado or Washington doing like the main room, or how, I'm I'm curious how that'll work. And then other other chat rooms connect to it, or yeah, well, the ceremony is going to be held in a private residence, and it's just going to be a hand select few of my closest friends who are going to be there in person, and then it's going to be live streamed. So it's going to be with a web address. And so you'll have a link, and it's a private stream, so it's password protected. It's age verified so that we make sure everybody with the stream is, you know, 21 years or older. And then, you know, you could stream it if you have your computer there, or you could hook your computer up to your TV, or if your TV has Internet capacities, you could stream it right there. The video feed will be on the TV, and the sound can come right out of your laptop speakers or even better, your home entertainment system. HD. And it's really the sound and the chant, what we call ikaros, and the communication that we have that that allows the ceremony to have its potency. I've had now, some powerful, powerful experiences. On and weed. then there will be a chat. I mean, through the live stream, there's a chat. And so people are going to be able to chat and write us with questions, and we're going to be able to pull those questions and then answer the questions that are most frequently brought up through the through the feed right to everybody. Like I'll be there doing it. That's... You know, so I'm going to be able to to pull the questions and bring them into the ceremony and bring a context of an answer to that question, so that we continue to expand the understanding of the combination of the shamanism in this 420 ceremony. That's huge. It goes back to what you said earlier about how technology is the spirit or is working the, a tool of the spirit. And you see that like 10 years ago, the technology to do something like this wasn't there. But through humans, we've created this technology. And now uh, like Google Hangouts or like what we're using here or what you guys are going to use, it's there now. And you can get that message in audio and video uh out to like countless people globally uh, just through an internet connection. Um, you mentioned that Ikiraz, is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, Ikiraz. Uh, can you get uh, more into that just briefly? Uh, from what I understand, that's that's the group that is sort of uh, like the communication link between the shaman and that other spiritual realm, and they do that through the use of chanting and everything. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious about, about that. Know your shamanism. Uh, I've been about, doing a little research. Yeah, I, 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 you, you know your shamanism. Ikaros I'm your are next sung apprentice. their chants, but they're a system of communication between the shaman and the spirit and the participants in the ceremony. And so it's a unique kind of communication because it's a language in its own right, but it's tonal. So it it is invoking the intention of the shaman. It's an invocation of the spirits that are being used in the ceremony. Like for instance, if you were calling the head medicine spirit of cannabis into the ceremony, you would use mm -hmm. the ikaro, mm -hmm. and it's used to guide the trance. So, you know, a 
trance state, once it's induced in shamanism, it has a direction which causes the journey. Otherwise, you're just sitting there going, okay, I'm in trance, but what's happening? Well, and that's where this technology comes in because you have that audio. Like, you could type out an email about what to do and how to do it, but unless you actually hear it and hear those tones and those frequencies, you're just kind of reading. You have to be in the really right state. Yeah, and that's why I think think the best way to explain an ikro is just sing one. You want me to do that? Yeah, would you? Yeah, I'll sing sing an ikro for the head medicine spirit of cannabis. Excellent. I'll get some cannabis and we'll... There, there. There we go. Pass the plexor. All right, you guys tell me when you're ready. Oh, we're ready. We are ready. You're ready. All right. I'm going to play the shakapa, so that gives the sound, so you can hear the rustling of that, and then I'll just sing you the guys the, the head medicine spirit. I could smoke to that all night. I we we that was amazing, man. I uh <laughs> And there's a different one for each <coughs> Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, I mean there are endless numbers of ikros. Each spirit has its own ikro, which is how you communicate with it. So what I was just doing right there, I was calling the head medicine spirit in cannabis to become illuminated and to become active. Right? So that you hearing that have a vibrational and a tonal interaction with the cannabis that connects you to that aspect of the plant. And then that vibration starts to color the nature of the experience that you're having. I could imagine that during like even a a short, brief DMT trip, if you had the Ikaro of DMT there and you were in that world like that i just the tones and everything come so much more alive when yes. you're in that state yes that that would just be phenomenal i was in a runner's trance we should record that and put it on the website for everyone and we'll have yes. the different ones so it depends on how your night's going I, that would be epic you have an eye i uh icaros i need to just apprentice so i can learn them and then i can <laughs> we can spread the love Oh, I was gonna say I had a I had I was in a runner's trance listening to Icaros on massive amounts of vaped weed, and it was it was one of the most powerful experiences it's that like put my body yeah. back in check. I it was I was like five miles in, I was hitting that high, and then uh, an Aya Icaros just came on my on my stream in my headphones, and I just it it put me to a primal, absolute primal, primal state where I was able to belt out another eight miles. It was just, it just kept going and going and going. It was, it was life, life changing. I will say that. Yeah. The Icaros, 
the, and the power of them is is untold. You know, it's unmeasurable. And all you have to do is get into ceremony and start to experience them, and all of a sudden you know something else is going on than your normal high. Something else is starting to take place that wasn't there before the Icaros kicked in. And that's how they drive the trance, and that's how they drive our experience into going into even higher and higher states of consciousness. And so when you combine that intention of love or heart with the Icaros that is kind of given the push to get there, it makes it accessible. It makes love, it makes transcendent consciousness, it makes even higher trance states available that wouldn't be there normally. And then you get the benefit from them, the extra eight miles or, you know, transformation or stress relief or the ending of depression. It's like the DJ at the dance party playing trance music while yeah. everybody is in that trance. and Spongle that anyone? Circadian. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of similarities between what the shaman does and the idea of, a, you know, especially a trance DJ or a psychedelic DJ that, that's there, you know, pushing the crowd to, to move and to rise and find that higher state. It's that connected rhythm. So does, does your center do anything with the iboga plants, or is it strictly an Aya center, or uh, yeah, are there any plants? Yeah, strictly Aya. Okay. Ayahuasca, yeah, we've never worked with, with the iboga. Have you had it, any experience with it before? Or I any haven't, shamans no, that have? I never okay. have. Now, how often do you get, like, what would be the ratio of people going down there as what, you know, the self-titled psychonauts, you know, the adventurers trying to, you know, toy in this, in the, not necessarily toy in Expand this world. Expand the, the horizon. It, truth seekers. Sure. Truth seekers versus, you know, people trying to, you know, fix an addiction or a problem or an ailment. You know, I, I've looked at ayahuasca and I've always looked at it as having two paths that found within it when you're practicing ayahuasca in a medicine way, in a healing way. And one is the healing itself, and one is learning. And so everybody who comes down is there for healing and or learning. And I would say, you know, the initial intention is probably a 50-50 split. People come saying, okay, I'm here to learn. And then they find out that they have stuff to purge and let go of. You know, because I always said, like, why, what's holding you back from already knowing? What's holding you back from already having that state or that transcendent consciousness? Well, people build up so many walls that sometimes they're not even aware of it themselves exactly. until the plant exactly. shows and, them and, that. And the walls, the, the bringing down of the walls is all part of the healing work. Right. The ego death. So the work is really right. going hand in hand between healing and learning, learning and healing, healing and learning. And it's all about growth and development. So I'd say about 50-50 come down first saying, okay, I have a problem, I want to fix this, and then they realize to fix it they have to learn. And then there's another 50% that come down saying, okay, I'm here to explore and learn, and then they realize to be able to go, they have to, to be able to rise in their consciousness, they have to let go of stuff. Yeah, They have to let go of the blocks and the walls that they've already built within their mind and their psyche. Is it, is it pretty well cleared out by ceremony number two, by, by day two? Um. I would say for 85% to 90% of the people that have come down, it's cleared out within the first two ceremonies. But <laughs> I, can, I can honestly say that in 12 years doing this, everybody who stayed for five ceremonies has had the experience. I, okay, I'm on my way. We've never I'm on left my anybody way. behind. I mean, no one, no one has ever left saying, well, it didn't happen. Okay, you know? you're my guy. 
That's awesome. Do you guys uh, work with maps or read any of their research in like a psilocybin PTSD stuff? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I have looked into some of their research and um, I just think it's fascinating. I think that that in traditional societies, medicine practices are, are a combination of plant medicine which would be similar to, say, like a pharmaceutical medicine, and then the doctor who's the shaman, but then also the spirit world. And it's understood that all illness has a spiritual component to it or an energetic component to it. And so when you combine the, the plant plus the shaman or the guide, you know, plus the, the notion of the spirit to it, you have a capacity to heal things that would otherwise seem impossible. And it's just, it's been known for, for, you know, thousands and thousands of years that that's how you treat psychological trauma in the traditional community. Would you be willing to do a ceremony with a, a biofeedback? Um, I, I, I just, it's, it's part of the big, this big quantified self movement of biofeedback technology, EEGs, EMGs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I'd that. be more than happy to. I, I would be fascinated. I'm really liking about the idea of the 420 ceremony and the ability to share this and also, you know, tremendous gratitude to the progression in state law is that it's going to allow us to, to communicate and work directly with the scientific community to bring more scientific research and also more scientific proof to the work that shamans do. And no, I think this, it's really is... important to bridge that gap between the traditional no- notions of shamanism and and physics and Western medicine, because there's a bridge there, and it can be, you know, crossed, and, and it would be beneficial to everybody. No, this is something my brother and I have been, you know, talking about for, for a long time, is the idea of digital shamanism. And if, if this live stream is just the first... Uh, first time this type of group meditation on, on let's just say cannabis or anything cannabis friendly or, or anything, this idea of mass group, um, the more biofeedback we have available to us, the more we can share that experience people. even more. It's, it, you Absolutely. know, I it's, think it's, I think it's key to it. I think it's key that we document and we validate the, the transformations that are possible through these kinds of experiences. So I'm I'm there to support it and I'm there to participate in it and you know I'm really looking forward to the comments that people are going to have after the ceremony and as we continue to do them we're going to do them on the 20th of every month. We might be you able know, to and, set this up with an EEG. My brother I think has one. See that's get this. that's the cool thing like people we have known this for so long but it's just now getting to the point where like governmentally it's it's being slightly allowed to happen and now, what, what's the what's the latest movement that's happened with the what the church of santo domingo is that the oh the santo daime yeah. yeah brazil you know brazil has a long history of christian churches that use ayahuasca as a sacrament and they have chapters all over the world and some of those chapters participate in the united states and they've you know taken court cases to the supreme court to prove their religious freedom rights to be able to use ayahuasca as a sacrament. Now, is that a good backdoor way to get into the States? Don't call it a backdoor. Don't backdoor. No, not a backdoor. But I don't think so. You know, I think that um, there's a big differentiation between uh, traditional shamanism and religion. 
and what the government requires for a religion is very specific, and, you know, the UDV and the Santo Daime, which are the two main Brazilian churches, you know, have, are literal and, and, and very uh, substantial churches. Well, you know, I think the very best way to experience ayahuasca in a traditional form is down in the Amazon where it's legal. That's that's where it grows. I mean, what better way than to be surrounded by. And I mean, again, like I mentioned before, if you if you go to your guys site and look at these videos, like it looks like paradise. I mean, you guys really it's set up very beautifully. I I would love to see it in person sometime. The the blue morpho butterflies and I mean, that's that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful, you know, and I would stress that ayahuasca use is very serious. Very, yeah. very serious. Yeah, and people that listen to this show know It's not a recreational. Really significant. I, I so I think it deserves the respect to just go down there and have the experience if that's what you're called to do. You know, if you did five ceremonies with us, those five ceremonies are going to bring transformation and change that's going to last over a year. Oh, yeah. A year absolutely. of progressive time after the ceremonies. And so, you know, a lot of people have the ability and, and can exercise that ability to go down there and be in the native setting and really have the whole experience and also be protected legally when they do it. And I think that that's really important. All right. And not only, I mean, people will will hear this and know, and our listenership definitely knows that the the seriousness I mean, cannabis, you know, you can smoke that all day and you're fine. But like I as it's serious. It's, oh, yeah. And it's some a lot ice. of people say that it's it's not fun. It's an experience. And once once you're done with it, you're like, wow, like you, you really come away with it with something that, like you said, lasts more than a year. I mean, this definitely it lasts a lifetime. And when it goes bad, it can last a lifetime as well. Right. And that's why in the Amazon, the traditions have apprenticeships that last, you know, five years to 10 years. So, you know, an apprentice to be able traditionally to hold a ceremony trains for five to 10 years before they're there holding ceremonies on their own. And so it, it's to you know, really protect the experience for people so that it always has a positive outcome. And that's, that's just really important to the practice. And there's a lot of Western ayahuasca use that has over the years and, and sort of the talk about it has decreased the validity of the shaman and it's kind of turned him into a glorified bartender. And it's really missing the purpose of the shamanic art. You know, I mean, it's one thing to sit there and take a substance and then have a trip. It's a whole nother thing to be completely engrossed in a whole medicine practice that has thousands of years of tradition behind it that is supporting your experience so that it can be guaranteed that it's going to have a positive outcome. Well, yeah, it's that whole thing. You could hallucinate a thousand times and never learn, you know, thing one from it. But that one trip with that guide that knows their way around. I mean, what you bring back from that is so intense. And it's a way different experience. Yeah, it's and way I, and different than just it's tripping. It's a way different experience, and it's, it's the one people are looking for. Right. That's yeah, absolutely. The, thing. I mean, the enlightenment. In, in the terms of shamanism, whatever happens, happens. It's like, hey, that's what happened. Like, just accept it for what it is. But for somebody who's taking, you know, a week or two or a month out of their life, and they're looking for something that is legitimate spiritual connection, they're looking for something that is positively transformational, healing, and also teaching. It needs to be given its due respect. 
Well, I think it's important. I think that, yeah. you know, going back to what Terrence McKenna used to talk about all the time, it's the cultural depro- uh, deprogrammer. You know, I uh, mushrooms, uh, iboga, the, the mystical experience of going into this transcendent world in a guided fashion and with intent and with the right set and setting and being, you know, respectful of this. But understanding that it is going to be transformational. Good it's a humbling bad. experience, absolutely. Oh, ego oh, death is, absolutely. is fun. You know, and we do a lot of work down at our center where we do the healing work of people that have gotten into bad ayahuasca, where they've gotten into bad experiences either on their own or with shamans that you know weren't properly trained. Deprogramming it, it, the deprogrammer? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's significant. Wow. It's it's difficult healing work. And so it's just a heck of a lot easier not to get involved in those experiences to begin with. And so, you know, if somebody does their homework and they find a good shaman and they go down, they have a, a much, much higher possibility of having a really great experience. No, that, I think that's Absolutely. really important to highlight that. It's K dog over here. Has a question. It's, it's, for most people, it's a once or twice in a lifetime experience for those that get to have it. And considering that, you know, giving it the respect of some research, there's information available online. I always say you want to do as much research as you can on the shaman that you're going to be practicing with. You want to hear testimonials from other people. You know, you want to be able to see videos if there are on them. Because you're, you're going down there and you're putting your well-being into their hands. And so there's a lot of trust involved. And having that kind of clarity and that trust going in is really important. No, I, I, we got K-Dog here. She's a regular also. She had a quick question. I just had a quick question for you on the subject of taking things seriously and what a, you know, how you have to really consider what you're going into here. Um, what would you say to someone or what do you tell uh, people who come to you with, you know, depression and anxiety, things uh, of that nature, and they already have maybe – not the most uh, positive state of mind or PTSD. They're already in a a negative mindset. That's not traditionally seen as an ideal place to start an experience like that from. How do you uh, handle people that are, you know, in that sort of mindset going into something like this? Is that not doable or is that something that you, you know, is that what the shamanism is for essentially to help people in that situation or? Absolutely. That's what the shamanism is for. The, the direction that we give is there's two points of focus to start the ceremony, and it's love and the head medicine spirit of ayahuasca. And it's the same thing going into the 420 ceremonies. Our intention is love. And even though we might not have a connection with it at first, we set our intention there and we hold it, and that support and the support of the shamans helps somebody move through the difficulties that they would be having starting out. The key idea to shamanism, because it's like, it, it, it's kind of out there. It's like, really, what, what are we talking about? And so what I try and boil it all down to is the notion of a direction. Just like getting in your car, where are you going? We're going into a trance. Where are we going? And so I always emphasize that the direction that we're headed is love. Love is our guide, and the head medicine spirits found within the plant are there to guide us and support us along the way. And then we're guaranteed to be able to have a transformational experience that starts to just allow the release of that negativity, the darkness, the accumulation of the past, and the rewiring energetically of our, of our mind, body, and spirit to allow for healing. 
Very nice. That that makes sense. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, cool. Is there anything else? Uh, I know we've kept you uh, almost an hour here. Uh, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want to get out there to uh, the the world at large about the the 420 shamanism or uh, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. The 420 ceremony is for free, and I want to emphasize that. This is not something that we're doing or I'm doing to profit. This is a, a personal desire to share the shamanism and love with people, to share the benefits of it. And so it's completely free, and you can sign up through 420ceremony.org. All you have to do is put in your email, and then we'll send you an email with information. And just let's change the world. Let's change ourselves individually. Let's transcend conflict. Let's connect to heart and love. Let's make that a focus and receive the miraculous benefits that it gives us and explore it in a context that we all love. That's cool. One IP address at a time. How and if you, people want more info on the the tours themselves, those those are all uh, over at bluemorphotours.com. Uh, and you do correct. workshops. Uh, there, There's all sorts of stuff on there. It's a pretty decent website. I, I, I was perusing it earlier. Um, how do you end a, a typical ceremony? What kind of chant do you usually go out on? Uh, we usually go out on something that's that's pretty mellow. Would you like me to, to sing one? Yeah, play us out, would you? That'd be awesome. Yeah, man. I'd be more than happy to. Excellent. All right. Uh Master Shaman Hamilton Souther from Blue Morpho. Thank you very much, man. It's been uh, very eye opening and we'll definitely keep in touch uh about uh some potential apprenticeship and uh trips to the Peruvian jungle. We're buying tickets tomorrow, in other words. Awesome. I, I look forward to talking to you guys more, and thank you very much for your time, and have a beautiful night. All right. Well, there you go. Hamilton Souther from BlueMorphoTours.com. Uh, everything you expected, hoped? Any uh, last wrap-up thoughts? No, I. Uh, that's amazing. I mean, what the guy's done, it's really transformation. I see just the future of this, uh, the idea of transcension through digital shamanism, it will be able to get, you know, a centralized movement where it is safe. If you, you know, what the internet's not, for these hucksters that are about us that, you know, don't necessarily, you know, provide the best experiences or they, they are dangerous. They, well, and they look at what dangerous. the internet's like known for. I mean, open communities, large, absolutely. Group, I mean, that's like essential and that's what, yeah, it's like a perfect fit. So this is just, it's I a like cell it. that we can tap into. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just I'm I'm thinking future Oculus Rift type. Can we bring my Oculus review yes. unit to we're gonna Peru? Put, <laughs> we're going to Well, I'm just thinking <laughs> oh, us sitting at home and being able to do a type of, you know, cannabis ceremony with 420 these 420 yeah. ceremonies. You could program that up and, and like then you get and sitting where he's sitting with your Oculus Rift on and you immerse yourself into that. When completely. you could even hook up like a hangout to where you're actually doing it in real time. It's not a program. That's like what I mean. Yeah, uh, this, this okay. idea of tapping into I the 420 see. ceremony with an Oculus Rift, man. Right, except we're all sitting in a place where all of these things are legal. <laughs> Absolutely, of course. In well, that's Colorado, cool. Washington. So, Kyle, uh, are we are we going to do this show like every now and then? I know people keep emailing, and I'm sorry. I'm totally you guys wouldn't believe 
Like, I know all you got to do is sit down and talk for an hour. It's harder than you think. It's pretty (laughs) crazy with our schedules. And, you know, finally to be able to get on here, man, I've been talking about it with you, trying to motivate you. I I think Ian moved on to to bigger and better things. So it was like, okay, well, I guess the hot box goes back on hold for a while. But, yes, I have been getting all of your nasty, hateful emails are like, I really like that show. What the fuck? Like, well, this okay, was, a, this was a positive resurrection. That's the, right. Icarus <laughs> to take us out. I'm totally down to continue this. Yeah. Man. All right. So cool. Hotboxpodcast.com. Uh, Hamilton Souther and his group can be found over on bluemorphotours.com. And uh, yeah, subscribe on iTunes. I'm sure you already are. Uh, and we'll uh, try and do shows more regularly for you. So. All right, uh, info at hotboxpodcast.com. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and we'll catch you later. I'm not going to say next week because I don't want any more nasty, might happen next week. hateful Maybe. emails. Maybe. So, uh, Maybe. Right. Good night. Peace. <laughs> You like you like this is where where you need to be. If you like weed, this is where you need to be. Thank you for listening to Hot Box Podcast. Thank you for listening to Hot Box Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Hot Box Podcast. Thank you for listening to Hot Box Podcast.